0: Welcome to Your In-Depth, where we walk through and break down our favorite fictional universes. I want to start off this episode by, uh, I guess, announcing a little bit of something we should probably mourn to start this off, because um Evan shaved his beard.
1: I, I did.
0: And... Um, Word got out and we got a little bit of some uh, re-recorded ads apparently um, so I got sent this and I, I oh. told them I'd play it at the beginning of the episode <laughs> so Have you ever just looked in the mirror one day and thought I'm gonna remove the only part of me that people like that's what Evan did Ford I don't know <laughs> what? Could you hear it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. Who?
1: D- do I know the person that sent you that?
0: Yes, you're talking to him.
1: Oh, I figured. I figured it was like Pat or someone like that. I was like, hey. No, so I
0: did it. <laughs> <laughs> I had another one okay. where I was telling you about the ad that I recorded. Yeah. I was screaming into the mic because i did this like hyper aggressive one where it opened up with like heavy metal just like fast paced just thing and i screamed in the mic i'm like man do you ever get tired of the surplus of hair on your face or something and i'm like well do what evan did kill a part of you and then it ended and it didn't save the voice part so oh. it just had a bunch of heavy metal music that at one point just dips down to a lower volume where i would have talked and it just it didn't save so i was oh. I, I couldn't yeah. i couldn't keep that one but um yeah
1: <laughs> yeah no no i yeah i shaved i shaved it all the <laughs> way down you just trimmed
0: it it's not even gone well, fully. no, no
1: cuz you didn't say you didn't say anything about it last time we recorded
0: i had this recorded Cause and i was going to but i was waiting time, for lord of the rings so i had this recorded, i made this last week or whenever I it was
1: i shaved it all the way down so i i took a pair of clippers and i i, I did not put any attachments on it and i went over the whole thing so it was yeah. just like like that one day old like stubble that you get you know well, mm-hmm. it was all it was at that point and now it's now it's down to like a, it's it's back to like a shortly trimmed beard yeah. now
0: Well, anyway, yeah. um,
1: For it was the first time I fully shaved my beard in three years. (laughs) So,
0: so anyway, uh, right off the bat with a sponsor, that's probably the stupidest thing I've done. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we we're going to be covering um, Return of the King, and this will be our part three of it. It'll take place from. An hour 58 in, right after the Army of the Dead declares that they will fight alongside Aragorn. Um, And we end up ending around three hours. Um, I'm not going to say where that takes place, because we're going to cover a lot this episode, and I don't want to, you know, spoil any of it, but we we get some (laughs) fighting. So in this also, Evan has warned me that if you think him interrupting me normally is a lot, (laughs) uh, when we cover this battle, it will probably be more. So he has taken the liberty of leading the episodes when like, like the part of the episode when we get to that battle. But, um, for right now, we'll just kind of start off leading up to it. Like we normally do, you know, commenting, saying stupid stuff when it gets (laughs) to it. And then he will take over once the battle actually starts.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah. this, well, and cause, I mean, this episode, I mean, the section that we're covering kind of really goes right into the start of the battle, um, mm-hmm. cause we go right from, you know, the King of the Dead's, we fight straight to seeing the, the army, uh, the armies of Mordor approaching Minas Tirith, so, yeah. um, I gotta turn the volume down a little bit, there we go, so loud in my ears for the movie, <laughs> Um, yeah, because we see the army's approaching and then we get the scene right here where we see Faramir being dragged through the gate with his kind of his foot st- stuck in the stirrup of his horse's saddle.
0: Oh, yeah, like we st- we start... Yeah, you, yeah, I didn't realize you were diving right in. Um, Yeah, so, yep, we got uh, Faramir. Last mm-hmm. we saw him, he was riding out in this, like... They're screwed kind of the, like thing. Like There's no way they're blown, gonna win.
1: Yeah, full blown suicide charge. We had that whole yeah. scene where we saw uh Faramir and all of the these this cavalry for leaving or for Gondor leaving Minas Tirith because Denethor is like go do what I tell you because I'm the steward and you're a captain. And yeah. He's like, I gotta prove myself to daddy.
0: Yeah, and then he goes out of there and comes back yeah. and he's been two-thirds Boromir'd, so. Yes. <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> he's only got two arrows in him. Boromir, if, if, if there was one more, he'd be done for. I mean, we, we know three is the limit for these, uh these men of Gondor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and as but we, we see him coming in, we do see the orcs preparing their catapults as well. Um, we get more clips of Mr. Deformed Orc or Gothmog.
0: Or as I like to call him, Beasting Potato Face.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and I will say one thing that I really like about kind of the wide shots we get here leading up to the battle uh, before they start their siege is mm-hmm. just the, the the massive scale that we get of like the orc army.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we, like, the, you really do see the scale of this uh, battle uh, in yeah. those shots. Because if you just see like the fighting, like you'd probably see quite a bit. But you like you'd be like, there's a lot of, you know, people mm-hmm. there. But it like zooms out. You see the entire landscape and how much of it is just covered. In like their formations, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, that's um, a lot more.
1: And so I did screenshot on my phone uh, the the strengths of the armies. Oh yeah, you battle. you
0: had mentioned um, the numbers uh, I think in a previous episode, but yeah, for so, this, I don't know about this battle. So yeah, what, yeah, it, what was, so,
1: that? So it, it was for this battle as well. I had already right. done, but since we're it's about to kick off in this episode. Yeah. I'm going to just hit him again real quick. Um, and so this is this is based off the books as well. And so okay. the first big difference that we see between book and movie here uh, is in the movie, starting the battle and all, we only see mortal orcs along with their trolls. And then we see Gothmog with his one warg. Um, but in the books, for the evil side, and and also in the movie, but again, they don't have all the time to show all the different, you know, scenes and stuff that you get in the books and stuff. So they have to take their liberties here and there. Um, but in this battle, there is on the evil side you have Mordor, Khand, Harad, and Rune as the evil kind of factions, of the evil alliance that are attacking. Mm-hmm. Mordor obviously know what we know are the orcs. Um, Khand is to the I'm trying to think. It's to the east of Mordor so it's, it's like directly east of Mordor and it's like your Easterlings that we see mm-hmm. in, um, where do we see them? We see some Easterlings, but, or no, we don't even see Easterlings in these movies. We we just see Harad and Rune. So Harad mm-hmm. is a, la- a land to the south of Mordor and they're like, um, that's where we see like the elephants and the, so, like in the in the second movie where we saw Faramir's ambush, yeah, those were Harad soldiers that they mm. were ambushing, um, and then Rune, as we will see, and we saw the, the the ships a little bit already coming in. You know, Elrond in the last episode gave that like there's another force coming by the sea. The, the those are the pirates, the 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 Rune yeah. troops. Um, and so, Rune is kind of located right there between uh, Mordor and Harad. Harad is, like I said, very south. It's very uh, desert landscape. Um, and so, those are the, the but yeah, those are the four factions for evil that take that are in this fight. And like I said, we we will only see Mordor, Harad, and Rune, but Khan's soldiers are in there as well. They're very similar in terms of their armor and whatnot to Harad. Or to the, the, the Southernlands, the, the guys with the elephants. Um, but then on the good side, per the movie, we only have Rohan and Gondor. Per the book, we have Rohan, Gondor, and the Grey Company. And for those that are drawing a blank on the Grey Company, those are, per the books, they are Dunedain soldiers loyal to Aragorn. There's roughly 30 of them that actually in the books go with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli through the Path of the Dead they show up right after the battle of Helm's Deep to accompany Aragorn there on out through the rest of the book.
0: Okay. So, um with that that's the different factions, how many enemies, did it give a final number of how so many are on each side?
1: It gives numbers for the good guys. Yeah. Right? So for for the good side, what the heck. Okay, here we go. For the good side, you have 3000 Gondorians. And so these are like Gondor soldiers in Minas Tirith. They've got the, yeah. that armor yeah. with the the tree on the on the chest plate. Yep. Um. You have five hundred guards of the Citadel, which again are those guys that are standing up there prote- protecting the the White Tree. Mm-hmm. For clarification, again, they are Gondor soldiers, but they're like the they're the basically like the king's guard or like the, the more of like a special forces type of unit for, for mm-hmm. Gondor. Um you have less than 3,000 South Gondorians and men from outlying provinces. So like uh, when we saw the ships coming in and we saw the different like cities and stuff burning as we saw Mm -hmm. the ships coming down from some of those different uh, provinces that fall under Gondor. 6,000 Rohirrim cavalry, which will show up a little later. And then, uh, like I said, 30 Northern Dunedain, which is the Grey Company. Hmm. Um, and then it gives commanders and leaders as well, or at least notable ones. Uh, For the evil side, we'll have the Witch King of Angmar and Gothmog, who we're already introduced to. We already know who they are. Yeah. And for the good side, we have Aragorn, Theoden, Aemir, Gandalf. Um, Again, in the movies, we don't see them. We have Prince Imrahil, who is a, in the books, he's like this brilliant cavalry strategist he's in charge uh he rules over one of the provinces of gundor um and then we have halbrad which is the leader of the gray company hmm. but again since the gray company's not in the movies halbrad's not here in the movies but he's there in the books um okay but uh, but but so no for, numbers for the enemies for yeah for the numbers though Good guys all together have roughly 12,500. The bad guys, for their numbers, it simply says tens of thousands of orcs, Easterlings, Haradrim, and Varags. Varags are the the Khan soldiers, which, again, we don't really see their appearance in the movie. Um Mm -hmm. If we do, there's nothing saying, hey, these are them. They're just kind of tied in with, like, the Easterlings. Um or the, or the the Harad, or the Sutherlings. Yeah, they're just all kind of tied into one in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then it says several hundred oliphants and trolls. Okay. So, like, it kind of cracks me because it just says tens of thousands. So that's anywhere from, like, because it says tens with an S, it's anywhere from 20,000 to, honestly, upwards of hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So, it it, it yeah, it doesn't really specify. Yeah
0: okay
1: Um, and so again Um, just like we saw in the battle of helms deep we're talking like anywhere from like 10 to 1 or sorry truthfully anywhere from like 2 to 1 upwards of like 10 20 30 40 50 to 1 something like that again very heavily outnumbered um kind of screwed in like real term fighting battles and whatnot like they would lose 99 times out of 100 yeah, if this was like a real battle to happen.
0: Yeah, so um, where we were in the movie, um, the forces that are outside mm-hmm. um, have now set up their catapults and launched the heads of prisoners and dead from that battle that Fermir just rode in from. Yeah, and so it's, uh, it's so they just launch that.
1: Yeah, it's soldiers from Faramir's charge, yep. and the soldiers they killed in Osgiliath when they took it.
0: Yeah, and so they have a so, lot of dead people that they've just sawed off the yeah. heads to, and then that's what they're launching over the city.
1: Well, and the crazy thing though is like that was something that actually happened in like medieval times for siege for sieges. Yeah. Like, if you captured enemies, one tactic, a scare tactic, a morale something to tank morale. Oh yeah. You fire severed limbs of your fallen enemies into their own cities.
0: Oh well, yeah, just picture like you know, you're in this army or whatever. You've known these people as mm-hmm. your your well, in and, and even in this that's like, you know, they're assaulting a city. So like even your your neighbor, right? Yeah. has it? it's like their head <laughs> just splats at your feet. You yeah, know,
1: and, and we see the reactions of some of like the Gondor soldiers and whatnot as this happens. You know, yeah. like that they, they look disgusted. You see like the pain on their faces like like even if you didn't you know you see the one guy,
0: guy just pick it up and just like start <laughs> d- like Fortnite emoting and then just spikes it into the ground. <laughs> but like, God, I hated that guy. But
1: it's like even even if you didn't know the guy, like you see their heads yeah. being flung and you know that's your own soldiers. Right. You know, especially because, like, as we saw right there at the end of the last episode, like, people were lining the streets as these guys were riding out of the city. It's like, again, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't know them, you know they were riding to war. They were riding to fight for, for, to protect you and your own and whatnot. And now their heads are just being flung back at you.
0: Yeah. So definitely a morale. uh Yeah. Diminisher. I don't know. I, it was probably <laughs> a better word for it. But something, I mean, uh, really that. You know? While
1: this is happening as well, we do see Faramir's body brought up to... Uh, Launched the over the city.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the look fired back at them.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you he, see, yeah, you yeah, just he's... see Denethor like, he didn't take it. He has failed me. Send him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh but no, we we see uh his we see Faramir's body being and for for all intents and purposes at this point, as far as we know, Faramir's dead.
0: Yeah. I and mean, he's brought back in. Yeah, and, and we see Denethor's
1: like... um reaction. Again, he sees again as far as he knows, his dead son, his right. second now, son, his last son that he had, and we see I... him actually take more of like a father approach to faramir for the first time
0: see now i had a question about this part i was kind of like you know he's denethor in this moment's kind of like whimpering he says his line has ended Mm -hmm. and at first i kind of felt like it sounded kind of fakey, you know but like the more you listen to it and think of it i don't know if it sounds so much fake or if it's genuine Or if it just sounds like somebody losing a battle with their mind, you know, because he's like, like before now, it's kind of like, I don't give a crap about his life at all. And now Mm. to see this contrast, it's kind of like he's like, seems to not be serious with it. But at the same time, I feel like he wants to be in it. I don't know. It's kind of like this odd impression of it for me. I
1: definitely think, I don't think Denethor's reaction here is fake, right? I think this is, like I said, for the first time in a long time, this is Denethor finally seeing Faramir as his son and showing actual like love or compassion for him. Mm-hmm. But he's also, again, as I've stated before, he's had this battle of the minds with Sauron for who knows how long now through the plant here. And... This is like a my son is dead, I've lost everything. The city's gonna fall. We're doomed.
0: Mm.
1: and so I think it's kind of a mix of those two, and like as we see, he kind of like stumbles towards the edge, they're up on well, they're on the citadel, and he sees the army of Mordor, yeah, and he he knows the beacons were lit, like he saw them lit, so he knows that Gund- or that Rohan was called. And he even makes the, the comment of, like, Rohan has abandoned us, Theoden has betrayed us. Um, as we see Pippin run over, and he, Pippin realizes that Faramir is actually alive, but mm-hmm. Denethor's too far gone at this point. Yeah. Buried in his grief, his mind's going, that he just refuses to accept it, and he tells, he just hollers out over the city. For the, his men to abandon oh, their post yeah. and flee for their lives,
0: and um, didn't, and it's like yeah, go ahead.
1: What kind, like, if you were a soldier defending this city, what kind of effect does that have on you that your own leader has already given up? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's, it's, it's meanwhile, like meanwhile you're stepping over the
0: heads of your fallen. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> like it, it's, it's
1: one thing. To have a leader be up there and be like, we're probably going to lose this battle, but we are going to fight to the death. We're going to fight hard. We're going to fight with everything we have, you know, which yeah. is something that we see Théoden do when they're still sitting at their camp, right? As Aragorn and, the, and Legos and Gimli left for the the path of the dead, right. you know, and he's like, you know, we'll meet them in, in battle nonetheless. But to just have your leader be like, abandon your post. We're screwed. We're all going to die yeah like what kind of effect does that have on your soldiers
0: yeah but and i think pretty sorry, quickly gandalf like just yeah. <laughs> kicks the crap out of him a little bit more with like smacking him and he's like whatever and then he's like basically you know no stay there we're fighting yeah and um, he takes over
1: well and as well as denethor is having this like mental break as well and he's like my line has ended it still shows that he has at least a little bit of like his consciousness left or like he's there enough in his mind to realize that like his family is dead. There's no one to carry on if they even survive this battle anyways, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, cause Denethor only had Faramir and Baramir as, as his children, you know? Yeah. Uh, which again, it's kind of like that thing you kind of see in different movies and TV shows and stuff where like, the parent doesn't care about their kid until it's too late to care about their kid.
0: Yeah. Um, but they end up... Meanwhile, while Denethorus, before he gets knocked out and whatever, um, he sees the armies and we get some scenes of the orcs loading up yeah. um, larger rocks and like getting their catapults ready. And then after denethor gets knocked out and you know he um they they start entering like this catapult like battle where yeah. you know rocks are smashing into the city but then you know the city's launching back and in come nazgul riding fell beasts and attacking picking up yeah. soldiers dropping them and i this is kind of where the battle truly i think starts yeah. it's not necessarily the this is the yeah, start oh.
1: of this the the start of the siege of Minas Tirith, right? Right. Um, per the movies, this is the start. So the way the, the the battle actually the battle kicks off in the books, it starts somewhat similar, um, but we do see, or if you read the books, d- towards the beginning and then throughout a lot of the battle we see you, you get to read about Prince Imrahil, who I mentioned as one of the key leaders, uh, per the books, um, leads cavalry charges against the forces of evil. And so one thing with um with I believe Harad, so like the guys with the elephants and whatnot, is they have in like outstanding cavalry. Like their one of their big things is their cavalry as well as their their the elephants which just wreck a battlefield, right? Uh, and so I, I kind of went over the numbers already. We don't have numbers for the bad guys because there's just so many of them. Yeah. Um. And in the books, we get different scenes and different descriptions of Imrahil leading cavalry charges against Harad, like like sallying forth out of the city to throw back the attackers. And it, it, I think it says it, it's like a one to ten odds against Imrahil and his cavalry, and he like soundly defeats the Harad cavalry, like just by pure maneuverability and like his different tactics and stuff. And they just kind of like crush the Harad cavalry throughout the course <clears throat> of the battle, or fairly early on in the battle, and then it goes into like a full blown siege. Um, which I wish they would have put that in the movie because like, the way it's described in the books and the way it actually works is so cool.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, we get the big start here with the catapults going back and forth and Gandalf yeah. kind of rallying the, the men that are abandoning their posts yeah. as they were ordered to, you know.
0: Right. Um, and then the uh, trolls uh, from the, you know, obviously they're part of the, with the orcs, push towers to the walls and yeah. orcs start to flood in. And, and
1: it's like dozens of towers, you know. It's, it's oh like, yeah, Because yeah. like again, you see the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is on a much smaller scale, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got ladders all along the walls, and they're storming up and whatnot. But Helm's Deep is a fortress. Minas mm-hmm. is a full blown city, you know, right. and so like. They're obviously going to have more men to defend and all that kind of stuff, but like this is an assault across the entirety of the city, across all of the walls. It's not concentrated in one point, mm-hmm. where it's like the the, the urukai in the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yes, it's across the whole walls, but they don't have to cover as much, so they can do that easily. Whereas there's, there's actual like strategy and stuff to what the urukai do. Whereas with the orcs here, and this is a big difference me and me and my brother have talked about, is the Urukai from Saruman would fight with strategy. They had more training and all that kind of stuff, and they were just generally stronger than your typical Mordor orc. But where the mortal orcs make up for that is in is pure savagery, hmm. which we see a little later in as the the battle progresses. Whereas the Urukai will swing their swords and they'll hit you with their shield and they'll they'll snarl at you and whatnot. But they'll use their weapons. Whereas Mordor orcs, they'll use their sword. They'll use their impromptu spear. They'll use their crappy-looking axe. They'll claw at you with their hands. They'll bite at your neck. They'll they'll try and tackle you to the ground and just like tear your flesh from your bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're they're very savage and they don't have a whole lot of tactics. So they just kind of do a full and mass charge to try yeah. and overwhelm <clears throat> and swarm their enemies. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was watching another video that talked about this battle as well, the, this, this siege portion of it, and it was talking about because the orcs are, or the orcs are using catapults, the men of Gondor are using trebuchets. I don't know if anyone's very if anyone's familiar with the difference in the two. Um, a catapult is more maneuverable; you can move it around a lot easier. But a trebuchet, you can throw further. You can throw heavier boulders because it's got its counterweight, a, a bigger counterweight. And they're talking about how Gondor has their trebuchets mounted on towers within the city on different layers. And they're just talking about this is one of those like how real is the battle type of thing, you know, like like mm-hmm. uh historians rates battles, yeah. one of those. And he and he was talking about how like the way that this is set up is like super unrealistic on Gondor's side with their positioning of the trebuchets on the shape of the towers that they have mm-hmm. and whatnot. Cause you could easily just put the trebuchet behind the wall instead of on top of the wall and get the same effect hmm. as well as having to build towers that can actually hold that much weight, uh, that much timber, that many boulders and all that kind of stuff to throw, uh, which I just, I just found that really interesting, which again, this is Hollywood. So they're going to do things how they want to do things. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but
0: in the yeah. in the city and on the streets, we see Pippin, and uh, he's near Gandalf. Gandalf tells him that this is no place for a hobbit because a lot there's a lot of fighting just mm. right happening in the streets right now because they've all flooded in, um, and so he says that to Pippin: no place for a hobbit. He's fighting yeah. off several orcs. Yeah, and, and this um, is this
1: is as they're coming out of the the siege towers after the towers have reached yeah. the walls. Yeah. For, for clarification, so the orcs have not gotten in in the city. They're assaulting the walls at this point. Right. It's yeah, still yeah. fairly early on.
0: Yeah, but um, Gandalf starts fighting them off, and he's just about to get like hit by one, and Pippin stabs one, like stabs that, and Gandalf realizes this, uh Pippin then licks the orc blood off of the sword and says eat the old man and then runs and starts chopping off heads and orcs and man alike he just enters this weird murder spree and we don't see him again um <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah um so... <laughs> So, (laughs) can you imagine a little hobbit just going and just chopping people's heads off? (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Um, So, at this point as well, because we're about to hit a point, a little past uh, one of the things here, something they don't show in the movies, but again is in the books. Like I said, there's gonna be a lot of kind of a differences between movie and book throughout this part. um, Is in the movie, we see Gandalf at one point on the wall directing the attack, d- directing the offense, their defense and whatnot, and mm-hmm. fighting. But in the book, as this battle is going off and the orcs are assaulting the walls, and as you said, we see the Nazgul coming on their fell beasts. The book describes this this part of the battle as as the Nazgul are flying in, they're picking up soldiers and dropping them off the walls, and, and just. Cleaning, basically cleaning house, and we hear their screech, and we, and in the movie, we see men like drop to their knees, covering their ears and whatnot. Um, in the books, it talks about this as Gandalf and the captains of Gondor are moving from point to point, up and down across the walls, back and forth, because as the Ringwraiths or the Nazgul are coming in, they are striking fear in the hearts of men but Gandalf and the captains of Gondor would arrive to reassure the men and drive the Nazgul back. Mm. And so in the book, it's a constant back and forth up and down the walls as Gandalf and the different captains are moving to points of weakness, reassuring the men, boosting morale, trying to drive the Nazgul back as well as keeping the orcs off the walls. And again, I think that would have been a really cool thing to add in the movie. Again, they couldn't for time's sake because this movie extended edition is already four and a half hours long. (laughs) Uh, yeah but it's it's a really cool uh kind of description of the effect that nazgul have on a battlefield the effects that gandalf can have on the battlefield uh the dire situation that the men of Gondor are in it's a really cool description of like basically like the men of the soldiers of Gundor would lose heart and they would start to flee and then gun and then gandalf or mithrandir as they call him in the Kingdoms of men would arrive to reassure the men, to boost morale, to drive the enemy back, and then he's off again to the next section that's about to fall. Yeah, and, and like I just have to imagine for Gandalf because he is an old man, right? At this point in in Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is over two thousand years old. And yes, as I've said before, he's basically the equivalent of an angel in the Christian faith, like but mm-hmm. sent down to Earth to help men and whatnot. But he's still like two thousand years old. He's still an old man. He's got plenty of vigor. He can still fight and whatnot. But I have to. I just have to imagine like the way the book describes it. He's got to be like, all right, guys, I need a second. You just just hold. I need. A, I need to catch my breath.
0: Drinks it in. Sure. Just. Oh man, I'm just dying
1: is. over here. As like guys are like laying on the ground bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because another thing that the movie doesn't can't really portray that well is it doesn't say how long the battle lasts before Rohan shows up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once Rohan does show up, the Battle of Pelennor Fields lasts for three days, mm-hmm. and and it's like three days of nonstop fighting. And so this battle obviously kicks off before Rohan gets there. And when Théoden says there, tells, uh, Eamir that they're leaving, or, or who, who's he tell? He tells one one of the guys that there at their encampment that they're leaving at dawn. I think it's Eamir. Um, they're still like a two day ride from from Gondor from Minas Tirith. So it's like mm-hmm. at the bare minimum, this battle of nonstop fighting lasts for five days, at the bare minimum. Yeah. and Gondor has to hold out for like at a, again a bare minimum, two of those days against tens of thousands of orcs and men that are attacking them, and so it's like like obviously like you have this thing where like they'd rotate soldiers out that are still fighting, they can catch a breath, get something to eat, all that kind of stuff, but like I I don't even want to imagine how exhausting that's gotta be.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Um, um, Pippin but, runs off to the Citadel, yeah. though. Um, also, quick side note. So, on the Your In Depth YouTube channel, I've been doing um, a lot of Star Wars related stuff, and one of them is Star Wars kill counts. Evan, I wanted to propose to you that we branch off and do a Lord of the Rings version, and you can take care of that.
1: <laughs> I'm putting hundreds of thousands.
0: <laughs> Just No, you have to count each and every one. It has to be accurate. Dude, go frame I, by frame. I, you got to insert see. a timestamp. What <laughs> was killed and how many of them? All right. That's and, how and I've been doing it. That's what you got to do. At this
1: timestamp of, of two hours, five minutes, six seconds, seven milliseconds. All right.
0: Well, I don't go that specific, but okay. We have
1: 583 orc deaths. We have 251 <laughs> deaths of Gondor. No, you got to make
0: your own video. I don't care about you telling me here. <laughs> I'll watch it when you upload it. Anyway, <laughs> so the orcs are trying to break down the front gate, though, and eventually so, this scene. Go ahead.
1: breaking down the front gate. Extended edition scene. Real quick. Okay. It's a small little battering ram. Please
0: continue. Gotcha. They um, uh, roll in what they call Grand. Yes, which is a flaming wolf head battering ram thing. I guess so, I don't know what. What is there more of a description on what this is? Because they they say like roll in Grand, where it's like this yes. heavy. There's kind of like this emphasis on it, like it should be significant um, is, more than very a battering ram. It is very so. What is it?
1: Yeah, so Grand is the name of the war hammer that Morgoth uses in the War of Wrath. And so, mm. for those that have seen that have, that are watching the Rings of Power, we get a brief glimpse of the War of Wrath in the very first episode. That is during the First Age, so we're we're okay. we're talking at least six thousand years before the events of Battle of Minas Tirith. Uh, and for those who are un, who don't know who Morgoth is, Morgoth is basically so Sauron. Sauron is the second Dark Lord. Morgoth is yeah. the first Dark Lord. First. And so basically Sauron is when Morgoth was around and whatnot, Sauron was his was his second in command. And so like we know how big and bad Sauron is. So S- scale that up by like times 100. Yeah. So I do have, have a question have regarding how this. Powerful Morgoth is.
0: Yeah. I do have a question about this. So in Lord of the Rings media, obviously it's in books and stuff. We don't hear too much anymore of Morgoth. What Correct. occurred with him? Like, is he still around, kind of commanding around Sauron, or did he get yeeted and now Sauron's so, like completing the stuff or trying to? You know.
1: So, Morgoth, like Sauron, was. I, I could be wrong on this, so don't take me exactly. Because Sauron, I'll, I'll say this 100% sure. Sauron, like Gandalf and like Saruman. Came down to Middle Earth from the heavens. He he used to be like uh, essentially like an angel, but he's more of a fallen angel. fell to the fell to the the the, the dark side, Count Dooku style. Um.
0: <laughs> uh, kind of like Saruman. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'd say prior. But
1: <laughs> Morgoth, during the First Age, during the War of Wrath, is what it's called. Yeah. Morgoth was in charge of the orc forces. He had twelve Balrogs under his command, um, and he was the, the leader of the of the bad guys that led that fight. And, and the War of Wrath lasted for, if I'm not mistaken, it lasts for centuries. And during the War of Wrath, you see, th- this war has such an effect and so much destruction that you see lands break and sink into the ocean
0: mm.
1: by just the sheer force of power from like Morgoth, from his Balrogs, from the elves fighting them, uh, all of this destruction, and whatnot happening. You see, and it's, it's not just like an Island here. We're talking like continent sized land sinking into the ocean. So take like North America,
0: And break it
1: apart and throw it into the Atlantic and Pacific. That's basically what happens. Yeah, but like, okay,
0: how? Like it crumbles, basically crumbles and then covers with water. Because you can't just sink it. Because it's like, they They describe um, it as sinking.
1: Yeah, Um, but like. And so it's something you got to keep in mind with Middle Earth. And it's a brief description we get from Gandalf in the second book as he's talking about how, you know, in the first movie he fell and he fought the Balrog of Morgoth. Right. Um, with that fight between Gandalf and the Balrog, he talks about from the lowest dungeons to the highest peak, I fought the Balrog of Morgoth. Well, middle earth. Yes. It's a planet. It has to be right in order for, you know, Mm -hmm. life to exist, gravity, all that scientific crap. Um, but the way it's talked about, because Gandalf says at the lowest dungeons where, he, where they fought, he makes a brief comment of he saw nameless, un, unspeakable things, or er, nameless beings that he will bring no light to. So he will refuse to talk about them, period, because they were so horrific. And that is basically the bedrock of middle earth that is the lowest point you could ever reach past that is pure darkness and death and you're done for
0: unless you're on creative
1: unless you're on creative yes <laughs>
0: um and actually so the i way, don't know if um, the, the, the way that is quick, quick side note shut up Did, can you can you still punch through bedrock <laughs> minecraft no if don't you're know. in cre- creative i'm trying minecraft to think of it, no, it used i used to be able to and then you just fall indefinitely yeah. <laughs> uh, uh anyway okay
1: um, but the way that it's described and kind of talked about gives the impression of kind of like the flat earth theory right and kind of yes. gives that it kind of gives that Im- it kind of gives that impression of the way it's described and uh the only the only way I can picture like these land masses sinking is that such power and destruction because again Morgoth and like the Balrogs want of magic involved such destruction is happening that the land is breaking apart the the ground underneath the land itself is breaking and collapsing and getting washed out to sea that it literally just sinks down into the water
0: so i guess i'm thinking of it as land is made up here you know mm. on on in reality um but i suppose yeah th- thinking yeah. especially you brought up you know gandalf when he fought the balrog you know, we saw him fall for a very long right. time, and then just it opened up into this like yeah. under thing, you know. And so, I guess depending on how their how Middle Earth is mm. made up, that that could make more sense. So, okay, either way, yeah. Though, so uh, Morgoth, I'm, I'm what happened to him? Not necessarily. Um, I know the battles and stuff, yeah. whatever. But where's he so, at in this current? I'm drawn time frame that we're you know
1: on what covering. the elf's name is. But during the War of Wrath, Morgoth is slain by, an I believe it's like an elven king or a great elven warrior, and and he's killed. Okay, Um, so he's dead at this point. At this point, Morgoth is dead, but creatures that followed him and his effects are still present. Still around, and
0: one of them being Sauron.
1: Exactly, one of them being Sauron as his second in command, another one being the Balrog that Gandalf fights in the first movie. Yeah. Another one is, so th- this this battering ram that's being brought to the gates of Gondor, obviously it's not the hammer that Morgoth yeah. used. But it's such a powerful and massive weapon that, that that's they what have named it. it after Morgoth's
0: hammer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, there we go.
1: Another, sorry, another side note from that as well, during the War of Wrath, because I was talking about that, you have a creature called Ungoliant which is actually the mother of Shelob, who we have Ooh. brief mentions of from, from Smeagol, or from Gollum, as he's like, we'll take them to her up the stairs, into right. the caves. And stay um, tuned if you want to know more yeah. about that. <laughs> but. Um, and But Ungoliant is one of... Ungoliant is probably one of, if not the most powerful creature to step foot on Middle-earth. Hmm. Like, even more so than... Morgoth and Morgoth was this being that like I said literally sunk land masses
0: how big was the spider
1: um take the size of Shelob and increase that by like a hundred maybe a thousand anywhere like a massive not even spider spider like creature that darkness emanated off of
0: what um so we're getting off on a lot of side notes but I'm learning some here (laughs) (laughs) Um, whatever happened to Under Goldilocks or whatever their name is?
1: (laughs) Ungoliant. Uh,
0: we don't know. Oh, fun! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. So something. What age (laughs) did that? So okay. And so so like you have like Morgoth and and you have Ungoliant
1: and another another massive creature you have is um. Not blue. What what what's and Caligon the black
0: is it the giant dragon.
1: Yes, and Calagon the Black is the I giant was, dragon. So I was all just these about like, to giant, up massive, like incredibly horrific creatures are all first age, except for Smog because he's obviously third age, you know. But like all of these so far that we know of are mainly first age. We actually don't have a whole lot of stuff on the second age, which is The Rings of Power is doing something to kind of like rectify that. Um, but yeah, and Caligon the Black does not actually have a size given to him but it says it's said in some of the books and stuff when he fell he broke mountains
0: i know and see and so, like, there's something
1: this, there's this cool concept art of of and Caligon falling and crashing through mountains like like not yeah. just hitting them and falling like coming down through the mountains keeps falling <laughs> and so there's like this size comparison as well where you can see like the 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 great Named Dragons of Middle Earth, and you have Smog. Yeah, no, because I've seen that. I've seen and that a, video. Smog is the smallest one,
0: right? <laughs> I've seen that video, and that's what got me really <laughs> intrigued about the idea of that, whatever you call them. I can't think of his name. Um, and and I was trying to think, I'm like, is there any possibility we're gonna mm. see that on screen? Because, god, dude, something about. Just super big creatures like right. that, and especially in like this context where it's like there's, I don't know, just there's yeah. more about them. I guess it really fascinates me. But I yeah, guess no, first age, yeah, dang it. No,
1: the only way we would see creatures like in Caligon the Black or Ungoliant is if we got some sort of media covering the first age specifically. Right, and uh, hopefully, we, hopefully we would, but hopefully, hopefully we, don't. Hopefully yeah. we will, because that'd be really cool. The War of Wrath is such a cool chunk of time within middle earth yeah um it's not even in middle earth it's in a completely different land because middle earth is like where Rohan and Gondor and Mordor right. and all that kind of stuff is it's on a completely different land because the war of wrath happens and the survivors have to flee to middle earth because the land is sinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know the men they they get granted as we see in the rings of power they they kind of comment on it their men get granted the island kingdom of Numenor and they build that up and all that kind of stuff um but but yeah so b- back to grond that's kind of the the backstory yes. of this giant uh battering ram approaching the gates of gondor it is named after the great warhammer that morgoth used during the war of wrath yeah um and before we see grond get brought up we do see the orcs charging forward with um the basic battering ram, and they're getting mowed down by Gondor archers. And that's when we yeah. see one of them be like, The gate's too strong, it cannot be breached. And uh, Gothmog's like, Bring forth the wolf's head, yeah. Uh, and that's when we see all the orcs chanting, Grand, 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 right? Um,
0: but so and yeah, now it's a, like you said, coming it's back, this massive,
1: there. it's this massive battering ram, like you said, and they literally have like dozens of trolls, some on ropes, some grabbing it to pull it back. As we'll see a little later, they have, to, they have to have dozens of trolls to pull it back in order to let it swing forward and hit the gate. And it's being pulled by giant great beasts, basically like gigantic rhinoceros type creatures. Just to pull it up to the gates itself, because it's so massive, and you have trolls basically standing on scaffolding around this thing just just to give a picture of how big it is, right? And trolls stand like ten, twelve, fifteen feet tall, <laughs> and are yeah. massive creatures. Well, like, and the fact that they have to stand on scaffolding in order to pull it back and like and whatnot yeah. just gives you a kind of a picture of how big this thing is.
0: Yeah. So, um, we see that and then we cut back to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli who confront the men from the South that are like on their boats, um, and Aragorn telling them they may go no further. Yeah. He then tells Legolas to fire a warning shot past the bosun's ear, which at first I was like, the heck does that mean? So I looked it up and a bosun is basically an officer or a captain. Uh, it's kind of a. Supposed like boat swain is another term, yeah, but you know, it. The their captain, so he goes to do that. And Gimli says, Mind your aim. Before <laughs> is it accidentally touch it, touching his bow? Oh, no, it's fully intentional. I think it was, yeah. He like he touches <laughs> Legolas's bow and like causes his aim to be like you know off a bit, and it just kills the guy to the <laughs> um bosun's right,
1: that just, guy that he kills. Yeah. Do you know who that is? I
0: didn't I, I didn't pay attention to seeing it. Is that's, it like Peter Jackson or something? That, that's Peter
1: Jackson for his cameo in this movie. Okay, that's funny. Because <laughs> in the second movie, we we get his cameo as one of the Rohan guys that throws the spear. And he goes, he throws it like, ah! and throws the spear, right? Yeah. That's his cameo. Now in, in, in the third movie, his cameo is the guy that gets shot by Legolas. That's really funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't re- yeah, I didn't notice that, but um, Yeah. Yeah. But Gimli says, prepare to be boarded. The guy goes, you and what army? Then Aragorn says this army, and the whole ghost guys mm. just go through him, and it's funny seeing the look of terror yeah. on the guy's face, like as it <laughs> switches to like, yeah, you and what army. And then it's like you see all them coming and it's like yeah. hey. <laughs> you know. It's like that um meme where it's like it shows the it's like somebody entering into class. It's also right. it's often like a split with like James Charles walking in and being like, hey, sisters or whatever. And then there's the kid like, <laughs> right. like freaking out, you know, <laughs> that's what I picture them to be like, yeah. is that kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but
1: yeah. And, and so those uh, again, those guys on the ships, those are the 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 pirates of Rune for yeah. uh, for just for clarification for anyone listening those are the the pirates of ruin that, that again Sauron has enlisted to come attack Gondor from yeah. the, from the river. Um and again they they are sailing up the river Anduin which again back in the first movie at the end where we see Baramir's death and on the little boat that goes down the waterfall same river way further up the river. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah they're sailing up the the river Anduin they're sailing past um all these different cities and settlements and whatnot throughout the lands of Gondor, pillaging and raiding and killing and whatnot on their way. Uh, probably some ah. as well, if we're being real. Um,
0: well, all right. <laughs> I don't know if that part was necessary to include, but yeah. I mean, they, they, they are pirates.
1: They, they, they are pirates. So. <laughs> I'm
0: kidding.
1: They're probably taking slaves as well, because again, pirates.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. They're not good. They're not good people. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but one thing that kind of strikes me as odd and I don't remember if they mention in the books or not, but they don't show anything about it in the movie, um is one of the larger cities that they would have passed is uh P- Peliger. Peliger, Pelinger? or something like that. Um it's, it's it's a large port city right there kind of at the mouth of the Anduin out into the sea. Um and it's a, it's like again, it's a port city, so it's gonna be like heavily defended because it defends Gondor's borders and stuff like that. And they never really talk about how these pirates get past that fortification. So I, I'd really be, I'd be really curious to know how. My guess is soldiers from Pelagir have been called to go assist Gondor, and they so they've already arrived at Gondor. Probably left it heavily undefended, kind of like a skeleton skeleton crew left there in the city, and so it probably fell either fairly easy or the pirates just didn't care enough to mess with it and they just sailed past and accepted their losses that they mm-hmm. had there. Um, but again, like, because it's like, if you're talking about a kingdom the size of Gondor and you have this big, massive rigor- river, because that river runs all the way up through Osgiliath, like I said, all the way up to uh, Argonath, which is where those two giant statues are in the first movie where Aragorn kind of mentions to Frodo, like, mm-hmm. these are my kin. Um, like, this is a massive river that runs very far north and runs right through Gondor. You'd expect there to be more defenses, but it seems like these pirates have sailed through uninterrupted. You know, yeah, but like they're all happy and cheerful and joyous and whatnot as we get some of the views of them before they're all mowed down. And yeah, it's it's not the view that you would think of if they have been fighting this whole time, trying to work their way up the river, f- facing, you know, resistance after resistance, after resistance, you'd expect them to be mm-hmm. more solemn, you know, maybe like mourning their dead or not really cheerful, but these guys are like partying on their boats. And so my, like, my question is like, yes, Gundor has fallen in terms of, you know, their armies are a lot weaker. They're not as formidable as they once were. Cause they've been fighting all this time against Mordor, but it's like, what happened to all of their defenses?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. You... <laughs> my brain's stupid. Um, you said they weren't as formidable as as they once were. And I just immediately thought of that freaking uh, song. I ain't as good as I once was. <laughs> and I don't know why. That made me laugh. But that's my freaking <laughs> weird brain. Um <laughs> But yeah, so we cut to Frodo and Gollum uh, because they have Frodo since dismissed Sam yeah. being like, you know, get out of here. I don't want you. Um, and Frodo is very tired, obviously. Uh, Gollum points him through a tunnel saying like we must go you know through there and Frodo yeah. goes in. Inside, Frodo has this like moment of loneliness, kind of almost setting in being like. Well, he's missing Sam, um, but then pushes on, and he sees many dead animals in there. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we do see Sam making his way down the mountain before falling down some stairs and landing right next to the Lemdas bread, putting it all together and knowing yeah. what, what happened. And when uh, Frodo
1: at this point, too, as he's, go, as he's here in the cave and realizing the position he's in, and like, I mm-hmm. was uh, an idiot to send Sam away, all this other stuff, like, we we do see as well, like you said, he's very tired. But he he's also being, like, heavily affected by the ring. Like, he's been carrying it. Oh, yeah. It.
0: He's kind of in this daze. Yeah. He's obviously at, tired. At this
1: point, he's been carrying the ring nonstop for over a year. Yeah. Because, like I said, timeline-wise, from when Frodo and Sam got to the Black Gates with Smeagol, or with, with yeah. Callum, whichever one, right? up until the ring is destroyed it is a couple weeks and their journey lasts if I'm not mistaken for 13 months yeah you know and so so, Frodo has been carrying the ring non-stop for over a year and it's been affecting him the whole time And we, we saw the effect in the first movie that it's had on Bilbo over the last 60 years that he's had it, and he's not even holding it the entire time Like right away you know But Frodo's been holding it nonstop, and we can definitely see this effect that it's had on him. Yes, he's physically tired, but he's also mentally just exhausted. Right. And again, that's part of the reason he dismisses Sam. Gollum plays on that exhaustion uh, and tricks Frodo into sending him away. And something that I don't know if a lot of people picked up on, back in the second movie... After Smeagol's like, no, you'll get caught. We can't give the ring to him. You can't go to the Black Gates. There's another. Gollum says there's another way. There's we 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 could go take the stairs. There's another way in the Mordor, and he's talking about this. So oh yeah, even he's, even yeah. back in the second movie, before he has that master betrayed us. He you know he mm-hmm. he left us. So, you know he's having his ten bajillionth mental break. Um, <laughs> you know he's already planning this maybe mm-hmm. not at that point maybe not to this extent of just killing letting them be killed here because he does he does make that comment before they even get here yeah maybe not to that extent maybe originally he was planning on leading them through but he always was planning ever since the black gate he was always planning to bring them through here
0: yeah Um, Frodo is in that tunnel in that cave mm. and remembers the light of Elendil that he has and so he uses that to illuminate his path and so he can see because he's in yeah. darkness he's in a cave uh, and he meets her so real quick before we go into her uh-huh. yeah.
1: another part about these caves yeah. and we get a little bit of that information a little later in the movie but I'll say it now because we're here Um, it's not just dead animals that he sees in here
0: no, he sees some different skulls. Of yeah, people, so, so I think.
1: these caves where 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 she lives with her offspring, uh, yeah, uh, are again. This is right here on the the mountains that border border between Mordor and Gondor. Um, orcs come through here, and one thing that'll happen is if orcs mess up or, you know fail in whatever objective sometimes they'll be sent in here to be devoured mm-hmm. and so some of these corpses and stuff that he's seeing are the skeletons of orcs um, it's also rumored that some men have gotten lost in here and so there's probably some skeletons of men that have died in here as well um, and so it's it you don't really get a good picture of that from the movie again because they have to take liberties here and there or they have to cut stuff out here and there and they can take liberties in some other places. Uh but it's not just dead animals that have wandered in here. It's like orcs and men as well. And so like like and as as you can see throughout this whole time as he's going through these caves, this is just a purely dark, desolate place of death.
0: That's all it yeah. is. And it smells great, I imagine. I, I just have to imagine
1: um, it smells like sun sunshine and roses. I just have to yeah, imagine. Faster.
0: <laughs> um, but he does meet her, which is a giant spider. Um, yeah. We get her name later, um, mm-hmm. but Shalab or whatever, you know. So
1: Yeah, and a, a key thing at this point as well is that early on as they come in here, Smeagol, at this point, he's just straight golem. Yeah, Gollum has Gollum. ran ahead and has for the for the pretense or not pretense, but for as far as Frodo's aware, Gollum's just leading his way. But as yeah. we know for Gollum, he's like purposely getting ahead, losing sight because Gollum knows this area very well. Yeah. Um and so Gollum completely abandons Frodo here intentionally. Oh yeah. To let him just become lost and wandered throughout these caves.
0: And then die, and then he'll... Yeah,
1: and because another thing with Gollum is, as we're kind of told in the first movie, as Gandalf is talking about him for the first time with Frodo, Gollum gets captured by by the orcs and the forces of Sauron and interrogated and tortured and whatnot. Oh, right, yeah. But before that, Gollum spends years upon years upon years in Mordor looking for the ring. And so I can imagine one of his ways in and out of Mordor is through Shelob's caves. Mm -hmm. So again, like, Gollum knows the ins and outs of this place. He knows what to do, how to avoid the spiders. Uh, You know, he knows his way around Mordor. He knows this area very well. Gollum is probably one of the few creatures in Middle-earth that knows Mordor as well as... Truthfully, Gollum knows most of of Middle-earth. Uh-huh. He knows a good portion of it, because he scours all of middle Earth, not all of, but a good chunk of it, searching for the ring over the 60 years that he lost it from, from Bilbo finding it in his cave. You know So he's probably one of the few creatures in Middle Earth that knows not just the lands of men and whatnot, but as well as mordor, with like, very in-depth detail. Mm -hmm. and so it's very easy for him to lose Frodo in these caves and to work his way around and make sure he doesn't get snagged and, you know, killed. And he's just a deviant or devious, you know, creature. And I've said it before, like doesn't really come off as that smart, but again, he's been alive for over 500 years. Gollum is a, and and basically street smarts. He's a freaking genius, you know, uh, and you, but you don't really get to see it unless you really really look into his actions and, and when he times mm-hmm. what he says. And oh he yeah, does.
0: all of this has been plotted. You know, yeah. like you, you look far back and... Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like... But...
1: Again, a lot of people don't really pick up on it, I don't think, but like he is... Ha- like Gollum's pulling like 3,000 IQ plays here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So Frodo takes off running from big old Spider... And eventually gets stuck in a web, uh, struggles a bit, and cuts himself down all along Gollum is singing. Uh, Frodo, in this, though, leaves behind his sword as once he's yeah. done, because she's approaching as he's struggling, and he finally gets free by cutting mm-hmm. himself free, drops the sword, takes off running. Um, so one
1: thing to note here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned on Ungoliant as we were talking about the, the history of the ground and all that. Shelob, this big old spider, is an offspring of Ungolian. Like, it's, it's one of yeah. Ungolian's daughters, like a direct descendant of. Yeah. And so, Shelob's not actually a spider. She's a spider like creature.
0: Okay. Looks um, like a spider, though. So. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, because actually, and she's got a little stinger, too. Spiders don't, you know?
1: Right. Um. So. And. As well as that, because we like you said, we see Frodo pull out the Light of Lindel to like ward her off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That comes from part of the, number one. She's in this cave like probably twenty four seven, right? So she doesn't see sunlight hardly at all. So not used to bright lights. Mm-hmm. As well as like I said, Ungoliant, her mother, emanated darkness off of her. So like the mm-hmm. darkness she emanated would like block out the sun. And so, I'm guessing with that kind of presence about her, it would kind of come to her offspring as well. Is like the sun's probably kind of damaging to them. They don't, obviously don't like it very much. So, like, and Frodo's using what is called pure starlight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, which Galadriel tells him as she gives him this, this file and whatnot. And so, like, I don't think that this instance where he, like, kind of holds it up and, like, shoes her back. I don't think it's just from bright light. I think it's actually painful for Shelob.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: I, I think she, I think Shelob's actually experiencing like physical pain from the presence of this light.
0: Hmm. Um. Frodo ends up leaving the cave. He gets kind of out a little bit, and Gollum attacks him. And they're right next to an edge, so they they kind of fight a bit. Um, eventually. Frodo gets the upper hand, and Smeagol, maybe at this point, I don't know, begs for his life, and Frodo once again spares him, Right. which, whatever, but then uh,
1: he mentions that
0: he has to destroy the ring, and Gollum attacks him again before being flung off of that cliff.
1: And so, by this point, Gollum and Smeagol are of one mind, not not in the sense that they're melded back together into one personality, but it's still two separate personalities, but... They have the same goal now, right? yeah. Because okay. Smeagol saw that whole thing of Frodo's b- betraying him and all that kind of stuff. So, like, him switching back and forth between Gollum and Smeagol mm-hmm. only affects his approach to the situation in terms of his mood. Not, okay. not, oh, I need to help him. Oh, well, now I'm Gollum, so I need to stop him. Now I'm Smeagol, now I, need, I yeah. need to help him. No, it, it's all, I'm. I need to get the ring back. Yeah. And okay. A- again, the 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 brilliance of Gollum here or Smeagol, When Frodo has him and he has Sting pointed at him. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. The precious made us do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, playing off of Frodo's wariness, off of the 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 emotional fatigue on his mind from the Ring, and Frodo knows the Ring's effect very well at this point, so he understands it. Yeah. Again, just a, a brilliant, like a genius move on Gollum or Sméagol's part in the moment, because he knows what's going to get through to Frodo. He knows how to play him. Yeah. And it, it's just, again, the brilliance of Gollum, even just on the spot, not even planning, just the brilliance of Gollum on the spot, right then and there. Yeah.
0: Um. Question. Yeah. We're at an hour and a half, and we haven't even started the battle.
1: Yeah, we're like 20 minutes in.
0: Do you think... <laughs> yeah. Do you think that it would be best to save the... Because I know you didn't want to break up the battle, you know, mm. and I don't think that that should happen either. Do you think it's something we should maybe save for another episode and cover it, the, the like remainder of what I got my notes as, in one chunk? considering this episode's already really pretty long hmm. you know you think we should yeah do that? that's
1: fine because the part of the battle i didn't want to break up is the battle of pelinor fields itself After sure. right, the show
0: right. yeah so th- th- and that's I, the part i didn't want to note, break up i, I don't have yeah. a
1: problem breaking up the siege of ministeria than the battle of pelinor yeah
0: yeah and the next part i have is switching back over to that kind of group and i think it pretty quickly ends up getting into that battle so i don't know i'm just wondering if you want to go ahead and end it now and then um you know pick up even maybe right now record it but break them up into two separate episodes
1: yeah i'm i'm 100 okay with that because otherwise we're probably gonna be looking at like a three-hour recording
0: (laughs) exactly yeah and that's why i'm kind of like man i got laundry to do i got stuff to do tonight like you know i don't know um but at the same time i'll I, I want a break so I can go take care of some of that. And then I'm fine with recording more, but sitting here and finishing it out is just going to delay everything I need to do today. So yeah, eh, eh, whatever. So uh, yeah, let's, let's call this episode here. Um, right. As we were talking about, um, Frodo. Uh so, Gollum. Quick, do you want to, got flung off the cliff and then Frodo to apologizes to Sam more and like,
1: passes out. Like one or two more minutes of the sure. episode because I mean there's just a small chunk right here right before it jumps back over to the other guys with Frodo.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll finish up that part and right before it switches then we'll we'll be done. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um so yeah, right right after Frodo kind of flings Gollum off the cliff as Gollum Like you said, here's Frodo talking about having to destroy the ring. Yeah. Um, Frodo gets back up, and he kind of stumbles again. The weariness weighing heavily on him and all that good stuff. Uh, And he collapses. And he has this moment of, like, uh, almost... I would say it's almost like an out-of-body experience, because I don't think it's just a pure hallucination.
0: Yeah. doesn't Um, seem to be.
1: Where, he again, he collapses, and we see him back in the forest um they're at uh what's it called C- Cross galadon something like that where we're galadriel's hanging out right mhm uh, and, and we we hear galadriel's voice um as he kind of is laying there and he slowly goes to get up and i don't want to say it's kind of like this surreal moment but it's kind of like a i I want to believe this is kind of a little bit of, like, magic on Galadriel's part.
0: Like she's reaching out to him to assure him. Yeah, because, like, she's she's
1: still in Middle-Earth, right? Yeah. She hasn't left, so she's still there. And her being the oldest elf left in Middle-Earth, right? She's got, like, great magic and all that kind of stuff. And she kind of reassures him with, like, you know, this task was appointed to you, Frodo of the Shire, uh. If you cannot, if you cannot find a way, then no one will. Basically, like a rise, get back to your feet, press forward. You can do this type of uh, quick assurance to yeah. him that Frodo really needs at this point.
0: Hmm. Um. So yeah, she does have that kind of reassuring moment to him. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he he wakes up, gets up, and pushes onward. He's well, like,
1: and the thing about this that you know. makes me think it's not just a hallucination. Mm -hmm. is if you really look right there where it jumps back to him being there at the caves, as he's getting back up, because Galadriel leans down and, like, helps him to his feet, pulls him up. If you look, Frodo, as it jumps back to him in the cave and you see the background and whatnot around him, he's got his hand up in the air like Galadriel's pulling him up. And he, like, stumbles up to his, like, he's pulled up to his feet.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then he, like, reassures himself, like, let's go, let's do this. Yeah. So that just, that right there just makes me so much more think that like Galadriel's doing some sort of magic stuff here, you know, to reach out to Frodo to help him in one of his most dire moments.
0: Right. But yeah. And then we cut over to the other group. So we're going to, yeah. We see
1: Frodo kind of, all right, let's go. And we jump over to, um, to the riders of Rohan taking one of their quick breaks, uh, on their way yeah. to Minas Tirith.
0: Yep. Um, but that's where we're going to end this episode. So we will see you or you'll hear us. I guess we don't actually see it, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in next, next episode, whenever that is, um, yep. I, I think that we're going to record that today. So it shouldn't be too far behind this one, you know, but, I don't know. Stuff happens. Who knows?
1: Next episode, we'll get more into the Battle of Minas Tirith, the Battle of Pelennor Fields, which is all grouped into one. Uh, More of Frodo and the Spider and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as always, uh, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that we can uh, get to that twenty-five mark, because when we do that, we're going to do a live stream of whatever we're covering at that moment. So as we're covering it, you guys can pop into the chat. We'll address things if you have good comments or if you just say something stupid that we think's funny, you know. <laughs> however, it may be, yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll be hopefully a lot of interaction. And um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited for that idea, and I'm I'm. Hmm. It's not. It's kind of frustrating because it's like it's not on me to do. Um, right. That being said, I'm not like demanding you go and do that because oh, it's, I am because I want it you know but I, I I'm demanding you know it. you are you are restricting my joy let's just say that um <laughs> anyway <laughs> though uh so 25 Apple Podcast reviews uh, yep. keep go ahead and share this to a friend keep the listening going because uh every 1,000 downloads we get which I think before we record next episode I'll. Go ahead and check on what the heck we're actually even at, um, but we get a blooper reel, and um, yep. yeah, yeah. So we'll I'd say other the, than that,
1: the link in the description going to all of our other links for right Facebook for YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, yep. all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, and if you want to support our uh, podcast and the YouTube channel we got going, all that stuff, and get access to uncensored content. And uh, extra stupidity. Uh, go ahead and head over to Patreon uh, and, and help us out there. Yeah. Otherwise, I suppose. And if you
1: guys do that, you guys can hear me say <laughs> not just see, not just hear a, a bleep. Yeah,
0: literally, he he said something other than. Harr-harr. So, <laughs> you know, go <laughs> check out and see what he said. <laughs> uh, anyway.
1: But yeah, so we'll. Unless you got anything else, we'll catch you guys. I don't have anything. No. Next time. Uh, Probably continuing Lord of the Rings Return of the the King coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Peace out. Bye. Deuces.